This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanc St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. thank everybody here for for the love and fellowship that you've shown to me over the 25 years that I've been in here and it's been a great great pleasure uh, to worship in this lovely building you are all my friends and I accept you and I love you all and Sid and I although I've come from the naughty corner it doesn't matter (laughs) and Alan as well (laughs) uh, we used to have that at school didn't we the naughty corner (laughs) But no, it's been a great pleasure. And I want to thank Mike for setting up the things yesterday, the music, and it was br- really brilliant. We had about 50 at home. You can imagine the noise that was going on. There was a lot of um, jokes and, ja- and da- dancing. and Oh, we had a real good time, good, good feast as well. And, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's really wonderful too that I've been able to reach this, this glorious age of 90. And uh, I may not look 90, but I feel 90 sometimes. I, I fell over. Uh, on Friday, I went up from the North Beach up to the um, Terrace Cafe and I was going to have a lunch with the, 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 my children and, uh, and some friends from England. And uh, I got as far as the gate and I looked at my watch. I thought, well, you've done that in 10 minutes lunch. You haven't done bad. And, and I reached for the railing on the garden, if you know North, the Terrace Cafe. And I reached it and my legs wouldn't go over the step. And bang, I went straight against the gate. But uh, fortunately, I didn't break nothing, just skimmed my friend, you know. But they were there quick to rescue me, anyhow. And I'm here this morning to thank you and all. Um, what I, I asked John yesterday, because it, it meant so much to me, was the... Oh, by the way, I had a card. And I thought, no, I don't drink. I thought it was from the brewery. My pal Alan. <laughs> but anyhow, what I said to John yesterday, I'd like to read this because all, some of you have got uh, the word for today. Um, and if you, if you remember, I think it was about ooh, probably 15 years ago, I introduced the word for today in this church. And uh, out of the word today, uh, there was a certain passage that came on one morning. And I thought, oh, that, oh that's good. So I thought, I'll take that. I shoved it in my Bible, and I don't think I've read it since. And one day I was turning through the pages, and you can see my Bible's full of little bits of pieces. And I found it. So I said to Sheena, my daughter, she works in town, I said, Sheena, can, I said, can you enlighten this a bit bigger so I can see? So she said, yes. So I'll, it's, it's biblical, so, but it's good. And it's this. And it's wrote by Bob Gass from the Word for Today, and it's from Proverbs. Proverbs twenty twenty nine. The Bible says... The glory of all men is wisdom and experience. I go along with that. <laughs> so listen up. An elderly man gives us words to live by. Please take note. Eh? <laughs> Time has a way of catching you unawares. It seems like yesterday I was a young man, just married and embarking on my new life. Where did the years go? Well, I've asked myself that a few times. 
I know I've lived them all and I've got a glimpses of how it was back then. My hopes and dreams, but here it is, the winter of my life, how did I get so here so fast? I remember seeing old people thinking winter was far so far off. I couldn't fathom or imagine it. But here it is. My friends are retired and getting grey. All right, Sid? <laughs> then move, moves, moves. They move slower, slower. I see great changes. I remember when we were young and vibrant, and now we are old folks we never thought we'd become. Every day I find that taking a shower is a real target. It's worse than that. And, and taking a nap isn't a treat. No, <laughs> anymore. It's a man, manda, mandatory, is it? Right. mandatory. Otherwise, I fall asleep while I'm sitting, sometimes in a service. <laughs> and I'm, I'm unprepared for the aches and pains and the loss of strength and the ability to do things I wish to have done. I know that I got that. And didn't... What, what, <coughs> pain. Winter's here, and I'm not sure how long it will last. If, if you're not there yet... Let me remind you, you'll be here faster than you think. Whatever you like to accomplish in life, do it today. Don't put it off because you can never be sure that this is your winter. There are guarantees you will see every season of life. So say to all things you want to cover, once you remember, your life is a gift from God. How you live it is your gift to Him and ensure generations Past. Proverbs 2029. 20, and I thought that was a very good uh, example of. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to finish here with uh, Timothy 2. And I know I'm going to put words there, but he says here, I have fought the good fight, but he says, I have finished the race. But I'm not finished yet. <laughs> I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord and the righteous judge will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but all to all those who love him in his appearing. God bless you all, and I thank you all for your love. We just want to give you just, uh, just something to oh, vouch you for, for you to be blessed, and we appreciate all that you've been to us over thank the years. Thank you very much, John. And congratulations yeah. on reaching this grail. It's a great milestone in your oh, life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Many years to come. It's a sure. pleasure to have you with us yesterday, right. John, and, and Jim Children. No, your blessings Thank to you. you, John. Thank right. you, John. Thank you, John. Amen. You are listening to a free download from Delancey Elam Church. Tim's going to bring the Word of God to us today. Thank you. I just wanted to start by giving the, the glory to God. He really is an awesome God. He still and always will be the Saviour. And he's by by him that we've been healed. We just give you the glory to God. I'm going to start this morning by doing something that I've not done before, but I felt that I kind of should, in a, in a strange way. And that's to tell you that stood before you right now is a sinner. I thought it was a good place to start. <laughs> then we can only go forward after that, can't we? Um, the point I'm really making is, I want to get this off my chest, because... Um, we all have our own battles, don't we? You know, every single day we have our own battles. We have things we have to get over, things we have to come up against, if you like. And for lots of people, they are different things, but we all have our battles. And unfortunately, we are, if you like, tending to go towards being sinners. So 
me telling you that I'm a sinner gets that off my chest, gets it clear that when you're looking at me and listening to me, right, don't look at me, don't listen to me, listen to what God's got to say through me. In the same way that you listen to the music, don't look at the musicians, look at, listen to the music. Yeah? I really want to say that because I really feel that's, that's, that's important. I try and be a, a, a good role model, um, but unfortunately I'm not perfect and I make a lot of mistakes. And some of them I look back on with embarrassment and some, some I look on as lessons, but I'm sure I do make a lot of mistakes and I know it. But the great thing is that God loves me anyway. And that's a really special thing and something that we need to get hold of. Whilst I can make every effort to try and be as good as I can, it really doesn't matter. So God will use us because I, in my sinful way, I'm still a product of God's grace. What I'm not is a product of my own endeavours. I'm a product of God's grace. And that goes for every single one of you. And you could stand up here and you could tell your story and all the rest of it. And if you were honest, you would have to stand here and say exactly what I've just said. I am a sinner because we're not going to be perfect. I firmly believe that we need to stop beating ourselves up about the fact that we are sinners. Because if we actually wait until we've perfected ourselves before we believe God is going to really use us or come and talk to us or come closer to us, we're kind of getting it a bit wrong, aren't we? We're, we're missing the point because God comes to sinners. God wants to use us and it's through him and through his power that we can achieve things. And it's exactly the moment when we stop beating ourselves up and allow God to actually use what we are and what we are at that time, sinful, not perfect, it's then that God can really start using us. That's, that's the point where we stop trying to perfect ourselves in our own strength and we accept that God needs to do it. And I think that's quite a simple thing, but a mistake that we all make. We think, well, this week I'm a bit embarrassed to talk to God because I've not been quite so good, I've made a couple of mistakes, so I'll leave it till next week when I might have had a better week, or whatever. But God wants you every single day, every single moment, exactly as you are. Because that's what God wants to take. Also, quite honestly... If God was waiting for perfect people, not only to be sat in the seats in churches, but to be out the front speaking, or being the musicians, these places would be quite empty and quite quiet. And I think that's a critical point as well. We need to realise God wants to use us, and change us, and grow us. God takes imperfect people and goes to work on them. He doesn't wait for them to be perfect. Okay, so I've made that statement. Let's have a look now at some, some reasons why I can say this and why this word's come, come today. Uh, and I say every single time that when I, when I get up to speak, there's a lot of times gone into it beforehand and I really listen to what God's got to say and I really believe God decides what to bring, not me. 
So I really hope that this message this morning um, is right for you. Probably the best example of an imperfect person must have been Jonah. Jonah the prophet. A very, very common story that that I'm sure you will all know without me going into all of the uh, verses, so I'm going to touch on some of them. Jonah was a prophet and God came to him and he said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to tell the Assyrians that their city is going to be destroyed and all of them too. The city was made up of about 600,000 people roughly, 120,000 of which were children. So it's a big city. But the Assyrians had an absolutely scary reputation I read in one, one thing that one of the things that they used to do, and this is the stuff of horror stories, is cut somebody open while they're alive, put a live cat inside them, sew them back up, and then leave them to let the cat scratch its way out of the stomach of the person. So these people were bloodthirsty, horrible people, people that were really turned away. They were, they were um, worshipping idols. They didn't take God seriously. And there was a lot going wrong. So I can fully understand when Jonah got this instruction that he was pretty scared. He was an ordinary person. And God said to him, Jonah, I want you to go there. I want you to tell the Assyrians. I want you to go to the leaders, the king, the leaders, and tell him that the the city is going to be destroyed and so are they. You can't really blame Jonah then when he actually jumped on a boat and went in completely the opposite direction thinking that I'm blowed if I'm going there. And he also thought he was struggling a little bit because he thought God is, God is a God of good. God doesn't go around killing people and, and all this. But God had to do something with Nineveh. He had to do something about it. So, anyway, Jonah fled in the opposite direction by a boat. But he didn't bank on the fact that God wasn't going to just let him get away with it that easily. God had a plan for what he was going to do. So off he went in this boat, and after a little while, the sea started boiling up, and everything started blowing up, and the, the boat was being tossed from you know, wave to wave, and everything was all over the place. And Jonah realized that it was God telling him he was angry with him. He was, he was cross that Jonah was going to go and do this completely against what he told him to do. So he said to the crew, he said, look, if you're going to be saved, throw me overboard. And at first they didn't want to do that. They thought, no, 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 we can't do that. But in the end they realised that actually what he was saying was true and they throw him overboard. At that point, and this is a bit where the story gets a bit, bit strange, if you like, but at that point God provided what's said to be a big fish. Now, a lot of stories will say, see it illustrated as being a whale, but it wasn't necessarily a whale, it was just a big fish. Okay? But whatever, you make your own mind up on that one. So Jonah ends up inside this big fish. And now he's thinking, well, I thought I could go off in the other direction, I thought I could get away from doing the job for God, I'm, I'm stuck in this big fish, what do I do now? What do you think he does now? I think the next bit, a lot of people skirt over because the story 
sort of then goes on to say, oh, in the end he came out the fish and da-da-da-da-da. But actually, this is the point that's most important. Because for the next three days, what did Jonah do? He prayed. He prayed and he sought God. And he said, God, if you want me to go and do that, that's what I'll do. He did the equivalent of getting on his hands and knees in that fish and praying about it. And hopefully we've got some of the verses up there. Maybe. (laughs) But um, I'll just turn to them. So it it actually says in verse, sorry, chapter 2, Jonah chapter 2, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and your floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you, into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And it's at that point, so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So Jonah, having gone off in this this wrong direction, realises the error of his ways and realises that he has to come back to praying and really asking God to do it. Right? So off he goes. He gets back onto the beach and suddenly finds himself. Now he's, he's lost that fear and he's going to go and he's going to turn up to the Assyrians. And I think even then, even after having gone through that, most of us would be thinking, I still don't fancy going into that city. I still don't fancy going into a city of 600,000 not very nice people and telling them they've got to change their ways. That sounds like a pretty, pretty big task to me. But much to his surprise, just, just as he got there and told the message to the king and the, the leaders, the complete opposite happened. Straight away, without question, they took what he was saying and they said, we need to repent of our ways. And even the king, it says, put on sackcloth to, you know, instead of all his glamorous robes and everything else, put on sackcloth and uh, called for fasting across the city in recognition that they needed to change from their ways. Now this is exactly what God had told Jonah would happen. But you can understand why Jonah didn't think it might. But then, most surprisingly, Jonah got a bit upset with God. He said, God, you know, I didn't believe that this could happen 
and I thought that you weren't the God that, that would threaten them with destroying the city, but now I'm here, and I've done it, and they've changed, but God, in the process, had said, hold on, these people have repented, and what happens when you repent? You get saved. Yeah? When you come to God, when you repent, you get saved. And God said, God, this, this, this is the point, God is the God of grace and the God of mercy. He doesn't want to have to use things, he just needs to sometimes to get the message across. So when the message got across, suddenly there was God's opportunity to show grace. And so he decided to spare the people of Nineveh and um, Jonah was a bit upset because Jonah felt that he had been put at risk, if you like, by being sent to do that task. And for what in the end? Because God had decided to, to um, show them grace. So what Jonah did, unfortunately, was made a little bit of a mistake at the end. Because what he did was, he kind of returned to character. He made the mistake of kind of questioning God, even after God had shown the grace to the Assyrians. And I want to say to you this morning that the point here is that it's us that changes and God that stays the same. See, God's whole purpose for Jonah going there was really to grant them grace and grant them mercy. And God knew that if he went there, that this is what would happen. So God's expectation wouldn't have been that he needed to destroy the city. His expectation was it was going to come out the right way. Yeah? But Jonah, his expectation was, oh, actually, I think all these people are going to be killed and this, that and the other. Nothing has changed about God. He's the same. He's the same. Same grace, the same mercy, the same wonderful saviour, and most wonderfully, the same for each and every one of us. It doesn't change. All of that is available to us, just as the 600,000 that were in Assyria. Where Jonah went on to make his mistake was that he saw the task at the start as too big for him. He saw it in his own strength. He foresaw Jonah, the person, going to Nineveh to give the message, and he was frightened. And I could understand that. But the difference is that when God gives you a task, he empowers you for that task. He doesn't ask musicians to stand up there if they can't play uh, you know, uh, an instrument but when they do play an instrument, he gives them extra power to play it really well because they are doing it for him. And this is the case. He sent Jonah out and he empowered him. So now getting back a bit to my point, because this is only leading into my point, um, and I was meant to say right at the start, by the way, so I'll say it now, that my title was Mountains. <laughs> so his mountain, Jonah's mountain... Uh, was the fact that he doubted that he could achieve this task. Right? He saw this as a big mountain in front of him. And I'm going to ask you now, and I'm sure you'll, you'll tell me, if not, I'll tell you, what does God say about mountains? 
Does he say that he moves them? Or does he just say that we can move them? Because he actually says we can move them, doesn't he? He actually says, I'm, I have empowered you to move mountains. And we look at Mark uh, 11.23, which the boys should be able to put up. I'm reading from King James Version, but it says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt it in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatever, whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. A lot of yees. But the point here is that God doesn't say, wait for me, and then start getting over your problems, your mountains. He actually says, hold on, I'm already equipping you. I'm already giving you my power. I'm with you all the time. So you decide to break that mountain down, and I'm already there with you. You see the difference? We can sit and wait until the perfect timing when we've perfected ourselves and all that, like I started off with, but we'll be waiting a long time. But God has already said, through his power, take it and break that mountain. Move that mountain aside. Don't let it stand in your way. Maybe then, our mountain is sometimes the same disbelief that Jonah started off with. See, Jonah started off with disbelief, didn't he? He started off saying, but I'm only Jonah. I can't go there. I can't, can't do that. But that's the same disbelief that we look at up at our mountains sometimes. And yet, God is saying to us, he gives us all the power to see those, those things differently. So it can't be that much of a surprise then when every now and then um, we get to see the inside of a big fish. Okay, that sounds a bit stupid, doesn't it, really? I, I wrote that and then I thought, I don't know, I'm not sure about that. So let's, let's, let's try looking at it another way completely to try and explain it a bit more. First of all, we all have mountains, don't we? I think everybody would accept that. We all have mountains, we all have problems, we, our lives are not perfect. Yeah? I think everybody would accept that. They can be family things, worries, concerns, problems, all sorts. But when God tells us that we can have those mountains moved, do we really believe it? Do we prepare to fall into the trap of disbelief or do we really believe in God? Do we really believe that we can connect with God and use his strength to move that mountain? Or do we actually fall in the trap of saying, this is me praying and I'm asking God again? You see what I'm saying? Because if we're asking God again, but he's already said he's given you the power. So we don't need to spend our time asking God to give us the power. We need to spend the time using the power God's given us. Yeah? Which we've got today, if we only believe and have faith in it. When we remove our mountains, God can stop waiting and get working. He's already given you the, the strength to move the mountain, but when you move the mountain, he's got a direct connection with you. Jesus, when he spoke, did not say go round the mountain or ignore it or don't give it credence because he recognises that our mountains are real. 
He's not trying to say to you, whatever your problems are, completely ignore them. You know, he, what he's trying to say is overcome them. Don't allow them to rule you. So one problem with mountains is that you have to look up at them. You can't look down on a mountain quite easily. Most of the time they're up there, aren't they? And they look pretty big. And they can be a bit of a, a challenge. But what we do know that is God is higher than any mountain. And I was thinking about this and I came up with a couple of uh, uh, songs but the one that really strikes me is, is the song Saviour. Yeah? The first line of which is Saviour. He can move the mountains. So God is bigger and higher and stronger and he already has beaten the mountains, your mountains. If that's the case, we need to talk to the mountains and not allow the mountains to talk to us. You see, see what I'm saying? Jonah was ordinary, but God made him extraordinary for the task that he had in mind. And God makes you just as extraordinary as he made Jonah for the task he has in mind for you. He really does. I see a few smiles, but you need to believe it. It's true. God makes you extraordinary to face what you need to face. And we all know of stories, even within this church, of things that have happened that are extraordinary. And maybe sometimes, actually, we don't pay enough attention to those things. Maybe we don't pay enough attention to giving God the glory for the extraordinary things that happen every single day of every single week. So, in very simple terms... No problem can have control over you. Ultimately, call on God and that mountain, by his strength that he's given you, can be moved. Okay, so what happens if the mountain doesn't move straight away? Do we give up? Do we, do we say, well, it's still there? God, what happened? Well, the fact of the matter is, in life, Mountains don't always move the first time we ever speak to them, do they? doesn't matter whether that mountain's a mountain, a person, a family problem, whatever. It doesn't always move straight away. But that doesn't mean that you give up. What it means is God has still given you the power. He has said that to you. So you don't need to give up. What you need to do is persevere. You need to keep going and that mountain will move. And time and time again... Um, it does move. It's easy in reading the Bible to assume that everything happened in, you know, instants. A lot of the stories in the Bible appear to have happened in instants. But of course we don't have the benefit of knowing over what period of time that was recorded and also that God's time and our time are kind of a bit different. Um, but you can, you can put a bet on the fact that Things in the Bible did not happen instantly in every case. And there are many stories in there where people had to be patient and wait, and in the end, after a long, long time, sometimes a lifetime, things happened. Truth is, people in the Bible 
depicted in the Bible, suffered much of the same frustrations, much of the same delays, much of the same uh, lack of understanding as, as we do today. So, God has stayed the same. Time has moved on. We live in a very different world. But the issues are still the issues. Yeah? What we struggle with is, in generic terms, much the same. People will struggle with, with things. I'd like to offer then a number of ways to take, take the best of what we've learnt this morning. Number one, accept we all have mountains. We need to accept that. We need to accept that we all have challenges. We don't want to ignore the fact that they're there. We want to uh, take ownership of them, if you like, uh, take dominion over them, um, but acknowledge that they're real. There's not much point in trying to ignore them because they are real. If you need to read anything, read Mark 11, 23 and 24 and you will find very clearly in there it says that you can take dominion over the mountain. You can move it. Number two, accept that God can do great things when the mountains are removed. Your disbelief is or could be a major mountain. Your spirit must not be dominated by your unregenerated fallen flesh. You see, even when we get saved, we keep reverting to type, don't we? We keep doubting or thinking. We, we doubt ourselves more than we doubt God, really. That's the point. We doubt that our abilities are good enough. But the point is that we shouldn't be looking at what we do in our abilities. We should be looking at what God can do with us. We work in God's strength and God's ability. Your spirit-filled man must not be dominated by your ungenerated fallen flesh. And you must sow the Holy Spirit to reap life. That comes from Galatians 6-7. So God is saying to us, if we, if we take control that he's given us over our mountains, we have the opportunity to reap uh, by being full of the Holy Spirit. Number three, prayer and fasting will move you into a more confident and faithful position to speak to the mountains. And I think we chose um, Matthew 17, 21 for this one. But there are five or six verses that all say essentially the same thing. Prayer and fasting basically gives you a stronger connection to God. It's a bit like using a dial-up connection one week and then deciding to go broadband the next. And for those of you that don't know that, I apologise. But for those of you that do, um, a broadband connection, obviously, much, much stronger. You can get more out of it, in simple terms. Yeah. So, you know, we need that broadband connection to God. And prayer and fasting is a, is a broadband connection to God. Number four, Jesus didn't tell us to pray to God about our mountain. He said for us to speak to the mountain directly. Speak to the mountain in his name. So we can move the mountain if we speak to the mountain in his name. I'm starting to draw to a close. I don't know how we're doing for time. Yeah, we're not doing too bad for time. I want to just run through a few more things that I think we need to understand. This is what I believe is a believer's responsibility. Okay? 
to believe that you receive when you pray. We need to believe that, don't we? We need to pray in strength, in faith, that it's really going to happen. Because if we don't, and I know I've found myself doing this before, if we don't pray like that, we're already kind of doubting ourselves, doubting God, and yet God says everywhere, he gives us the power. He, he will give us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, you know, you'll have that on Monday, Wednesday and Friday and the rest of the time you're on your own. He says, you've got it. So we don't want to be, be praying in disbelief. We want to be praying in belief. And that is when we'll see the difference. Mark 11:24 that we've touched on and Matthew 21, 21 both speak of that. Um, but, but the next few things I'm going to offer all are massively supported by Scripture, as you'll understand. The next thing is to speak to the mountains or a problem you have, rebuke, give directions to the problem and cast out the problem from your body, circumstances or environment. What I really mean is don't allow it to take room in you. Take your mountain, push it to one side and walk past it. Yeah? Take your situation and move past it. Don't, don't allow it to still keep that space because otherwise you'll just be going back round it again tomorrow and it doesn't need to be like that. Take dominion over your mountain. I also believe it's a believer's responsibility to say that when you come to pass into existence it shall be done according to God's word. O woman, great is your faith. Let it, let it be to you as you desire. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go the way, and thou hast believed, be it done unto thee. These are all examples in Scripture of where God said it would be done, and it was. It wasn't, it might be done. You might wake up tomorrow morning thinking, it was done yesterday, it's not done today. It was done. God moves these things on. And we need to really understand that because I think it is us that often uh, hold things back because we doubt. We doubt and we allow the mountain to come back overnight rather than actually taking full dominion over it. See, Jesus promises it will be done in Matthew 21, 21. It shall come to pass in Mark 11:23. It will obey you, Luke 17, 6. It will move, Matthew 17, 20. Jesus says that it is the believer's responsibility to speak to the mountain. We need to take responsibility. We need to take what God has said to us, believe it in true faith, and do it. Not just talk about it, we need to do it. We need to take our mountains and we need to move them to one side. We need to make sure that we move that mountain out of the way so that God can get a clear view of us. Because that's one thing about a mountain. You can't get a clear view of the person the other side. And God wants to get an even better view of you. Right? So move that mountain and let God get at you. Because God takes imperfect people and makes them even stronger and better with his strength. And the things we can do with, with God are unbelievable, extraordinary, just like Jonah. Just like Jonah, an extraordinary thing. He went into Nineveh, 
He went in to see 600,000 people that he thought would kill him in a moment, not have a thought for him at all, and completely the opposite was the outcome. And you know, sometimes we have to think like that because we already perceive what the outcome's going to be of so many situations we go into in life, right? We perceive sometimes that things are going to be terrible. But if you allow God to be in control and go in ahead, if you like, and you go in in his strength, God can sort it out. Yeah? So as I draw to a close, I want you this morning to really just think that it is through God's grace, it is through God's mercy, that we have the opportunity to move these mountains. Nothing about God has changed. God has stayed the same. We have changed. We've allowed worldly things to get in the way. We've allowed worldly thoughts to get in the way. But God has stayed the same. And God is all-powerful. He is the one on high. We've sung this morning loads and loads of beautiful words this morning about how great God is. And I just, this morning, God has dominion over your mountains. All right? Even this morning, if you're mountains, you need to overcome them. You don't have to tell me about them. You don't have to discuss them with anybody. They're your mountains if you want them to be your mountains. But what you do need to do is you need to recognise that God has given you the tools. God has given you the strength. God has given you the grace to overcome those mountains and move forward. There is no need for you to spend time fighting and going round the outside of the mountain in an attempt to get somewhere. You can push it out the way. You can tell it to get out of your way. And you can have dominion over that mountain. A big part of overcoming that mountain is taking the first step, is deciding to overcome that mountain. Really believing that God is with you to allow you to overcome that mountain. Acknowledge that it exists, but take control over it. Decide today to take control over it. Decide that from this day on you will have dominion over your mountain. You will not allow the mountain to have control over you. Rebuke that mountain this second and never turn back. If the music band could come back please. Um, I'd like to really close by just saying that I really believe this message came from God today. I really believe that, you know, this is a sincere message, a message that we do need to take on board. God doesn't waste time sending messages. He sends messages that are pertinent to the time, pertinent to the people, and they, and they mean something. As I've said already, if you, if you feel like you want prayer this morning be delighted to pray for you you don't need to know anything about what your mountains are if you want to share, you want some help we're here to help as well but I just know that the Holy Spirit is here this morning he's here in great power he's here in the worship this morning he's here in the, the word and he's here now and he wants to minister to you and if you want to make today the day when you take dominion over your mountain we'd certainly be more than happy to pray with you. I just give God the glory. Lord, we just thank you that you've spoken through this word this morning, Lord. We thank you that you 
are the God that is on high and you have dominion over everything in this world, Lord. And Lord, when we worry about things, Lord, when we allow things to become our mountains, Lord, we just turn to you now and we ask you to give us an even greater filling of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, Lord. Just fill us with that fire, Lord, to enable us to take dominion over those mountains. We thank you, Lord. We give you the glory. We give you the honour, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Eden Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceelam.co.uk.